0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right. His wisdom is you're not standing in a very safe place, but I'll tell you, you are in the right place today. Welcome to River Valley Church. We're so glad. Uh, so glad that you are here. I'm, I'm Pastor Jesse. I'm, I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, just introducing myself because there's a few people I'm meeting even every week that, uh, that, are, uh, that are just newer here. And so I'm so thankful that you're, uh, that you're a part of this church. And so uh, welcome. And this is a week two of our Before Google series. We kicked it off last weekend. If you were here with Pastor Darren, uh, just shared about what is vi- wisdom, why is it important. And we'll, we'll dig into that in a second. But I want to uh, announce something today that we're just, uh, I shared last weekend that we're so excited about this, uh, this campus has grown recently. This campus has been doing well. And, and you guys, uh, as I look out, I see so many that have invested in this campus that are serving, that are giving. Uh, and we just thank you for that. And, and, and you all have a lot of kids, which we like. And so uh, we have a lot of kids. Our kids have been growing, our kids' ministry. And uh, so we're thankful for, for, uh, that we're going to bring in a full time person starting today. And so, first off, I just want to give, give uh, honor to Kat and her husband, Scott. And they've been so incredible to help this kids' ministry be what it is today. And so, we're just thankful for all that they're doing. They've done. They're awesome. Uh, they've, just, they've been great here. And so we also get a, a brand new full-time kids director uh, that is starting this weekend here. And so I want to be able to, to introduce Kelsey Miller if she stand up in the front. Uh, let's just welcome Kelsey Miller here. We're just, we're so excited to have her on the team, and uh, she's a graduate of North Central University with an elementary education degree, and so, uh, and so we, we just see a great uh, call on her life to, to work with children, and she's, uh, she's, she comes with a lot of experience and a lot of gift, uh, giftedness, and so we're thankful for what she's able to bring, and uh, make sure to stop by uh, the kids area to, uh, to thank Kat, and, and also to welcome Kelsey, and, and uh, you have to start, your name has to start with a K if you're going to work in kids here. and. Uh, Keaton and youth and Kirk and worship, so uh, so we got a lot of a lot of K's here. Morgan's coming as worship with an M, so I like. I'm not the only one here, but just uh, just make sure to welcome her, and uh, and we're just thankful for, uh, for her being a part of this. So awesome, yes. All right, so we take a look today at uh, this idea of before Google. What in the world did we do before Google? And uh, and we see that Pastor Darren shared uh, last week in this idea that information is so accessible. Information is so accessible, but godly wisdom must be pursued. It must be pursued. And we can't, we can't take for granted the fact that, that information and content does not bring wisdom. It does not help us to, to, to find the right path for our life or guide us and direct us. It must. Be applied through godly wisdom, and so we're so thankful for for God's presence uh, here, and we're thankful that He's able to uh, to lead us and to guide us. And I'll tell you that this uh, this has been a great weekend. I'm glad that you're in church this weekend. I know that uh, Fourth of July weekend is a lot of fun, and we had some great some great weather through the weekend. And, and highlight for me was hanging out in the hammock with my one year old son and lighting some sparklers. Uh, sorry, I'm not as crazy as youth pastors don't blow stuff up, but uh, lighting off some sparklers with my with my four year old daughter. And so just just hanging out, and, and I love an opportunity to to also. So that we get to have church together on, on this weekend and, and we celebrate, we celebrate this, uh, this great country and more, even more so this great God that we have a chance uh, to serve. And so as we look at this week, uh, this week specifically, we look at why is wisdom valuable? What is so valuable about wisdom and what are the benefits of wisdom? And we take a look at, at, at why is it something that we should pursue? And when we pursue it, how is our life changed because of it. And I'll tell you that we live uh, in a digital era. We live in a digital era and and content is king. And Pastor Darren shared uh, just last week was showing a a counter on the screen of of how many searches are done with Google and how much information uh, can be found through Google. And I'll tell you that, uh, that that's not just content done through Google, but we find that in social media there's much as well. And every second, every second of every day, there are 500 new Instagram posts There are 5,000 new tweets, and there are 50,000 Facebook likes. Every second, every second, that's what occurs. And so we see that, that all throughout history, there's never been enough capacity to take in all the content. You see, we'll never have enough capacity to take in all of the content that the world has. And so we have to find, how do we live then? How do we live knowing that there's more stuff to know than we have ability to learn it? And so, and one thing we don't do is just get this kind of false nostalgia to say, well, there were the good old days or there were the golden years when, when everything was, was different. And, and we realize that we live at this time, at this place, because God has placed us here. And so we ask the question, how do we live now? How do we live now? Because the reality of our world currently is our reality, and God has placed us here for this very reason. So we prioritize and find out how do we find wisdom today, knowing that we live in an age of bits and bytes and content and information. But I'll tell you, even though we live in this age, people crave authentic relationship and godly wisdom because there's no replacement for it. There's no replacement. We can find find, uh, easy relationships, but meaningful, deep relationships are still important. We can find information about God, but knowing God is not replaced by knowing about God. And so we see this, this great need that we have to help define what wisdom is and to pursue wisdom with God. And so I thought of something this week as, as we're learning about, about wisdom and, and information and how we find answers and guidance in our life. And, and I realized that, that today we have the first generation of young people that don't need to go to authority for information. And you realize how powerful that is that the young people today no longer need to go to authority to find information. And if you're young in the room or you're, you're under 30, you'd say, isn't that the way it's always, always been? If you wanted an answer, you just looked it up. But there was a time when it, you had to actually, you had to ask somebody to find, to find knowledge information or, 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 or go through the, the Dewey Decimal System or, or uh, but you realize that the information now is so easy to find, but that doesn't mean that wisdom is any easier than it's ever been. And so it's the same world in the sense that we need to pursue godly wisdom. We need to know about God, the one who leads us. Growing up, I played this, this game called Wise and Otherwise. Sometimes our family would get together and we'd like to play games. And I don't think it's a popular game. There was probably like 10 of them printed ever because I've never heard of it. Other than when I played it, I've never heard of this game. And so it was called Wise and Otherwise. And you, this, the point of this game is that you'd, you'd, uh, you'd get the first half of a proverb, maybe an ancient Chinese proverb, an ancient Irish proverb. And I'm convinced they just made a bunch of these up because they did not make a lot of sense. But they'd give you the first half of this proverb. And then you had to write what you thought the second half would be, should be, whatever. You'd finish this proverb, and then you'd put them all in the center, and then people would vote on which one they thought would be the real proverb. All right, so they were nonsensical and kind of unconventional and odd to begin with. And then when you add, you know, my 12-year-old perspective and my cousins, they just got, got a little out of hand. But you see that, that it was fun to pretend to have wisdom, to write down on these cards about, uh, you know, how would you, you would finish. And I remember one, one example, there's an old English saying, cheese and money should always... Da dot, dot, dot. Well, I, you know, you could make up something. I'm sure it would be profound. There's an old Croatian saying, those who eat porridge, and then you just make up what you think is the, the ending here. But, but I, as, I'm, as I'm thinking about this game, really, as I had a lot of fun with that, but you never actually learned much because you're using these Proverbs that they're not a part of our history as Proverbs. And you see that, that in Scripture... Wisdom literature and Proverbs specifically give us such a beautiful picture of the wisdom of God. These are Proverbs that are tested, that are true, that make sense and apply to us. And so in this series, we're going to unpack specifically Proverbs, but some other, uh, some other passages in, in, in Scripture that, that focus on finding wisdom. And so instead of it just being something that, that is made up, it's something that, that is timeless truth. And I'll tell you that when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to wisdom, the timeless truths of Scripture are as real today as they've ever been, as real today as they have ever been. And so we take a look today at, at why is wisdom valuable. When we want to know why is wisdom valuable, we've got to define and figure out what wisdom is first. And, and, and wisdom is the skill in the art of godly living. It's the skill in the art of godly living. And when we think about like, what, what, why is, is wisdom important to us, we see that if we want to live for God, if we want to have a godly life, it's an art all right, to follow him, but we need skill to pursue that as well. And wisdom is what helps us reach that goal. And so we have the gospel and we have so many parts of scripture that are helping us focus on the mission of God and wisdom helps us get there. It's the vehicle to which we can become godly believers. And so When we take a look at wisdom literature, we see that there's some in Psalms, all of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and Job. There's some New Testament passages and there's some others sprinkled throughout. And so when you see that, that picture of wisdom literature, what does it mean for us? We're going to take the whole summer to unpack and to investigate what it means. But I'll tell you that that the laws and the prophets are all about who God's people are, all about who God's people are. Wisdom literature is about how we live as God's people. And so that's what we get to take time to do this summer is, is figure out how do we live as God's people? And much of scripture focuses on showing what restored humanity can be, but Proverbs focuses on what such restoration should look like day to day. So we figure out how do I walk with God? How do I make him such a part of my life that I have wisdom in following him? Because he's the vehicle that helps us get there in our godly living. And so we ask, why, why should we pursue it? And you might be asking, all right, so wisdom sounds like it's, it's pretty important, but, but what is it about wisdom that's really so special? And I'll tell you that, that wisdom raises, it raises the standard of your life above the circumstances of your life. It raises the standard of your life above the circumstances of your life because you may look at your life and say, all right, the standard of my life or the circumstances of my life, this is the family I was born in, the job I have, uh, these are the friends I have, this is where I live. And you may say, that's what sums up me. That's just who I am. Take it or leave it. And we realize that that God doesn't just say take it or leave it. He says, I take you as you are, but I want to build you up. And so the standard of who we get to be is raised through our wisdom. It's also to be pursued because the the gospel, wisdom is about the gospel going from our heart to our hands. It goes from our heart to our hands. And I think about this day of serving that we have coming up on July 25th and and realize that this is our main focus in, in the month of July is that this is our main event that we have, realizing that we get to take time for part of our day and let our community know with our hands, with our actions, that we care about them. Because Jesus cares about them even more, and he cares about them first. And so wisdom is about not just hearing or learning something and keeping it with ourselves, but allowing that truth, that gospel to come forth in our hands. And we see this in James chapter 1, verses 22. It reads, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. We're only fooling ourselves if we think all we need to do is hear God and maybe be changed. But we realize that what we need to do is obey what God says. If we follow after God, we'll find that we we live out a life of wisdom that fleshes out the gospel that God has placed in us. And so the, the wisdom of Proverbs, it speaks about that life. How do we honor God? How do we live out the gospel? And it helps us through our conduct, through our discipline. And as we go through a few of these, recognize these are the areas that all of us need growth. Through our conduct, our discipline, our family, our work honor, our instruction, blessing, justice, marriage, friendship, money, righteousness, parenting, purity, speech, attitude, and relationships. Just to, just to name a few. You see all of the, the benefits of wisdom and, and the ways that, that the wisdom of God, uh, how it honors him. And so we see that, that wisdom is Jesus in person. It's Jesus in flesh. And I know that if, you're, if, you're, if I'm thinking I'm you, I could be sitting here saying, but I never felt like I had this great gift of wisdom I've never felt like I always make the right choice or, or I've done everything that's right in life. And when we examine our life, we, we say, it's all right. It's okay that, that what got you to where you are is how God, that, that's what got you to here today. And so we realize that God has been guiding us and we may not, you may not think you have this great gift of wisdom, but I will tell you that Jesus himself is the one who gives us that gift. And in James, it talks about if you lack wisdom, just ask and you will receive it. And so it's not about coming here. This is not a message for those who say, I feel like I'm pretty wise. This is a gift of mine. It's for all of us to say, if I rely on Jesus, if I pursue Jesus, he will give me the wisdom that I need when I need it. And there's no substitute for wisdom because there's no substitute for knowing God. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 4 through 5, and this will be a, a theme passage for us as we go through this series. And Proverbs chapter 3, 4 through 5 it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And in, in the NIV, it talks about lean not on your own understanding, but do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. If we seek his will in all we do, he will show us the path to take. But we have to start by not leaning only on our own understanding, by not just depending on what we know. And I want to tell you, it's important to, to, to realize what you know and to, and to use the experience you've had for good to realize what are the experiences I've had, what has God shown me, and to use those for good, but to also realize that that's not the end goal, that we take our understanding and we place it on God's understanding. We realize his understanding is better. Our understanding is limited. His is unlimited. And so we recognize that we, don't, we, don't take, we take our intellect, we place it on his intellect. So it doesn't mean that we just cancel out anything we've learned. It doesn't matter. I haven't learned anything because I'm, I'm not supposed to trust in my own understanding. It means trust in your understanding and more so on God's. Place that understanding knowing it's very limited on the unlimited understanding of God. And we get this great context of Proverbs that will help us understand how do we read Proverbs. We're going to focus specifically or or at least mostly on Proverbs uh, today and and, and coming weeks. And we see that that Proverbs, there's two things to think about in, in interpreting the context of Proverbs, what's going on behind the scenes. And the first one is that Proverbs is written as if from a father to a son it's written as if from a father to a son which is so great we can relate with this everyone is either uh, either everyone is either a parent or a child and many are, are are both and so you see that that we have already that that relationship and, and from a father to a son the first 10 chapters of proverbs are are all about this is what you need to know about the world it's like the father saying this is what's most important this is what you have to make sure you believe and you do this is what you need to know about the world and the last part about. This is how you live it out. This is how you live it out. Because the, the, the last two-thirds of the, the Proverbs 11 through 31 is all about these, these uh, nuggets of wisdom and these themes of wisdom and understanding that help guide us, that help us have wisdom and live out what we see as most important in the beginning of the book. And I tell you this knowing that we will spend some time in Proverbs and you should be as well. And, and we're going through soap and continue to do that, but I encourage you to, to read Proverbs. We had a, a challenge this week to read Proverbs one, four or five times this week. And I tell you, there's so much there. There's so much there. And I would encourage you as this, this summer goes on to, to read Proverbs and to reread Proverbs and to spend time there seeing that there's a father. Our father who has instruction for us as we're his children. It's just a great, great understanding that we get. And I, I see the same pattern in, in my own upbringing. And uh, I learned consistency and responsibility from my father. And I learned, I learned about servanthood and faith from my mother. And how I learned to walk those things out, come from them and people and experiences and things that have helped me along the way. And so we see that that the beginning of this is what you need to follow. This is what you need to do. And then how to accomplish it is all contained in this amazing book. And so that gives us some some context for what Proverbs is doing. And the, the second thing to realize is that we need to use wisdom in applying wisdom. Uh, This sounds simple, but we use wisdom in applying wisdom. The wisdom of Proverbs needs to be applied knowing that God has already given us a brain and a heart and emotions, and and we use that wisdom to apply that wisdom. And so it's not just about, well, I know enough wisdom just to be dangerous. You know, if you got inside a car with somebody and it's like, do you know how to drive stick shift? Well, just enough to be dangerous. You'd go, I'm just going to ride, you know, somewhere else. I'll get a different Uber or something. And, uh, but we realize that that we don't want just enough wisdom to be dangerous. We want enough wisdom that we can, we can help our families, we can lead our, uh, our coworkers and our friends, and, and we want wisdom that reflects the glory of God and who he is. And so we see that, that as we jump into Proverbs, we want to look at what are the, what are the ways it changes us? What are the, the benefits of it and why is it so important? And if you have a Bible, turn to, to Proverbs 2, where you'll be able to see this on the screen, but Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6, it reads, "'My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands.'" Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And we get this great picture of of never stopping to seek God, that we will search for him always, that we never stop until when we understand the fear of the Lord and we have knowledge of God. And so it uses this, this passage uses language like we accept, we store up, we turn, we apply, we call out, we cry out, we look, we search as if for hidden treasure. And you get this picture of doing every means, using every means possible to you, every gift that you've been given, every sense that you have to search for wisdom, which is really a search for God, a search for God that never stops until you will understand the fear of the Lord so that you find the knowledge of God. And there's this great picture of, of this fear, that we have this fear of God, and it's not something to, uh, it's not this unhealthy fear, and it's, it, it's a continuation of Proverbs 1-7 we talked about last week, how the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. And it's not this, I want to help you, it's not this unhealthy fear of this, like God is to be feared because you never know when he's going to lash out, or because he's basically disappointed in you, and so you just, uh, you need to, to deal with that. And, and we see that it's a fear, a healthy fear that comes from a respect just like as parents, we hope that our children have for us, that we realize that we mean what we say, that we want to be taken seriously, that the things we say, the things we do, that we mean them. And so what it does, having fear of the Lord shines a light back on us. It shines a light on us to say, God, what are you showing me? How should I be different? And, and, and we just realize that to have a right relationship with God which the first benefit of wisdom is to have this right relationship with God that, that we have to respect who God is. And we see that so clearly in the, in the first part of this chapter, Proverbs 2, and, and it gives us this, this ability to have a healthy fear of God and to know who God is. Just like we hope that our children, they know who we are, and they respect us because we have their best interests in mind. And I'll tell you that God will always do what he promises to do, and he promises to love people. He promises to change our life. And I can tell you that there is wisdom in that right relationship with God as the first benefit. And the second benefit of wisdom is we find protection. We find protection in God. In Proverbs 2, verses 7 through 8 and verse 11, it says, he grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. I love this picture of of a whole treasure of, of common sense. It says, he is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. And this passage has much to say about about God guarding us and keeping us safe and protecting us. And the truth of the matter is, we need protection. We need protection in this world, what we do, where we live, we need to be protected. And I'll tell you, it's, we don't seek this protection from people that, that people are somehow we're, we're against other people and we need to make sure that, that we win or that they don't hurt us, but we're never against people. But what we are against is evil. We're against sin. And so we find that God, how can you help me be different? We don't, the Bible talks about not battling against flesh and blood, but against the powers, against, against the, the evil uh, nature of us and, and, and of others that we can show God's love in every thing. And so we don't find uh, the protection that we need comes from, it comes from unwise decisions. We need protection from, from harmful habits. We need protection from, from destructive circumstances. And the, the truth is, we're walking along and some, and some here would find, all right, I just fell down into a pit. I'm walking along and I went, where was the wisdom to, to keep me from this, this circumstance, this scenario? God, where was your protection? And the truth is, God was protecting you in the, the 10 steps before you walked into the pit, but we just didn't always hear him. But we see that he offers protection for us, and we have that protection through wisdom. And, and I'll tell you one way that, that we live this out, through something called situational wisdom, this idea of wisdom in the situations that come our way. And, and a great marker for this is Proverbs 423, a great, great proverb to write on your heart to memorize. Proverbs 423 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. When we think about what do I need to do? How do I protect myself and my family? I guard my heart because did you know, and did you remember that our heart is where God makes his home? He makes his home in our heart. He doesn't just live in this building. He doesn't just live in the, in the, in the donuts in the cafe, although God's doing something in those donuts because they are, they are good donuts. But he doesn't just live in these things. He lives in us. He lives in us. He makes his home in our life. And so we guard that heart. We guard it. And so that's how one way that we protect ourselves to allow God to protect us as well. And so in every situation, as it comes, we pray that God would give us the wisdom to do the right thing. And so in this room, we don't, it's not, God's not calling us to, uh, you may be sitting here and to say, I don't have every answer. I don't have everything figured out, but God's not calling us to do that. He's asking, can you be wise as the situation arises? As each situation arises, can you be wise in that time? And so in that way, we don't have to have everything figured out. We have to stop and pause and realize, God has the right path for me. God has me protected, shielded, guarded. Where is he leading me? Where is he leading me? And so uh, so often we, we see that, that need for protection and we know we need it. But remember, it comes from God and it comes from the wisdom of following God's path. And so we not only have right relationship from wisdom, we not only have protection from wisdom, but we are able to gain discernment from wisdom. We find discernment from wisdom. And, and continuing in Proverbs 2, verses nine through 11, it reads, then you will understand what is right, just, and fair. I love that, what is right and just and fair. And you will find the right way to go. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you. Understanding will keep you safe. And we think about what so often do we need in life? We need to discern. We need discernment, which really is, where is God in this? Discernment is being able to ask the question, where is God in this? And finding where God is. And and so often, uh, when we we look back, we see this, this great need for finding God, but we misstep sometimes. And we might we might, you might look back at a, de, a decision you've made and, and realize, what, what was I doing? What was I doing? And, and, and you may think of something, and, and I can think of uh, too many to, to share, but, but think of something you've done where you're like, that was such a mistake. But not even, like, uh, like, I knew it was the wrong thing. If I thought about it, what was I thinking? And the issue is, not what were you thinking, but more often, what were you feeling. What were you feeling? Because where we get tripped up here, where it's easy to get tripped up is is we allow our emotions to think for us instead of allowing the wisdom of God. And you see, emotions are not a, a good thing or a bad thing. Emotions are just a part of who we are. But how we act on those emotions is so important. And it's so key for finding discernment for God and finding wisdom of where God is in this. And so I like to think that we need emotional wisdom. As believers, we need emotional wisdom, not just situational wisdom, but we need emotional wisdom. And so, so often we, we see this need to allow our emotions, uh, or to, rather to not allow our emotions to guide us, but to, to act on wisdom and what is right. And so having self-awareness as a believer is so important here, having self-awareness to see that, that if I want discernment, to see where is God leading me, I need to be self aware of what i'm thinking what i'm feeling so that i can make the right decision so i can walk down the right path so i can show godly wisdom will rogers uh has a quote where he wrote good judgment comes from experience and a lot of that comes from bad judgment (laughs) and so we see that how do we have good judgment well a lot of it comes from experience and a lot of experience can come from bad judgment and and i just pray that we will learn from the experience of others Let's not forget that, that so many others uh, have an experience for us to learn from good or bad, but to remember that we can learn from the experience of others and allow that, that, uh, that to be good judgment, a jumpstart for us. And, and I'll share with you, just, uh, just to, to, to be vulnerable with you for a moment, uh, a story of my dad, my, my biological dad. And, and my parents were here at the 930 service and, and uh, uh, they're here visiting from, from Iowa and uh, go Iowa. Woo. Uh, there's always a couple, Never loud, but there's always a couple uh, Iowans hiding, hiding out in a crowd. And, uh, and so uh, I grew up in Iowa, and, uh, and my dad was a, was a pastor when I was growing up, and uh, he passed away when I was very young. And, and, but you realize whom, who my dad was. His name was Carol. And, and uh, who my dad was, he was very impulsive. All right. He was very charismatic. He was very fun, but he always had the new thing or the new idea. And uh, sometimes he had the new car he surprised my mom to bring home with, or the new dog uh, he surprised her. So he was very, uh, he was, he, he didn't always have discernment to make the right choice, but he was very fun and charismatic and energetic. And I'll tell you that to back up to see where his, where he ended up or how he got to where he was, uh, he had a very troubled young life, and, and, uh, and he got into drugs, and he became a, a drug addict, and, and it just his life spiraled out of control. And he ended up at, at, on the doors of a place called Teen Challenge. And uh, this is a long time ago, and I know that Teen Challenge is, is an organization that, that we pray for and support as a church, and it's just a privilege to be a part of that. And, and Teen Challenge is a, is a drug rehabilitation program for, for young people, for adults. And, and uh, my dad ended up at Teen Challenge, and uh, it radically transformed his life. And I'll tell you that, that he, uh, he not only became a believer and God uh, rescued him and, and, and put faith in him, but, but also delivered him from drugs, called him into ministry, and he went on to, to Bible college and, and uh, became a pastor, and he met my mom, uh, and, and then I've got an older brother and I were, were born. And so I grew up in this house where my dad was a, a new believer and a passionate person, and, um, uh, but, he, but he didn't always show the best wisdom. And so when I was, I was young, I was about one or two years old, uh, he, got, he got in an accident. He was refing a basketball, and uh, the basketball hit him in the nose, and it broke off a piece of his, uh, or just some of his, uh, some, uh, some of his nose went into his brain tissue, and it was very painful, uh, very painful. And, and he had this chronic pain, and, and his, his drug of choice, the drugs that he struggled with were painkillers. And so not using wisdom, not using discernment, years later he took the pain medication that he was prescribed and he relapsed. And I'll tell you that his life spiraled out of control again. But this time, he's in ministry, and he's married, and he's got a family. And he didn't recover from that decision. And I'll tell you that, that, that uh, a year or two later, he passed away. And, and, and thankfully, my, my mom uh, remarried just a, a tremendous guy who adopted my brother and I. But, uh, but I think about the discernment that my dad had or the lack of discernment. And we realize that all of us need Wisdom. All of us need to know where is God leading us? And when I think about my dad's story and part of my calling, I feel is a uh, continuation of his legacy that I carry on, his legacy as a, as a pastor. But I, I see that we need discernment and we're never above that, that spirit of humility to say, God, where are you guiding me? Well, I need wisdom from you to make the right choice. And I believe that when we have wisdom, when we seek God as the giver of wisdom, he will be the one to give us the discernment That we so need. And so we not only have right relationship as a benefit, we not only have protection, we not only have discernment, but we also have guidance that comes through wisdom. Guidance. And we see this in Proverbs 16 verse 9, where it says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And I love this. We can make our plans. And indeed, it's a good thing to make plans. You worry about someone who has no plan about what's coming, but we remember that our plans always come underneath the plans of God. Remember that our plans are always, they need to be directed by the direction that God leads us. And I'll tell you, it's like, it's like this. I'm, uh, I, I like to go up to the Boundary Waters. It's been a couple years, but I like to go up there and canoe. I'm, I'm not an outdoorsman, but I'm a wannabe outdoorsman, and I like to be outside. And uh, so I go up to the Boundary Waters, and I don't have a lot of, uh, of skill with canoeing. I wouldn't call it skill. Uh, and so basically, when you're canoeing in the Boundary Waters, your point is going from the campsite I was at today to the campsite I'm going to tonight. Like that's, if people try to tell you it's more complicated, that's what the Boundary Waters is really happening here. And so you go from the campsite I was at today to the campsite I was at tomorrow. But you have this map, and if you're like me, it's difficult to see this map and figure out, all right, where, how do I get from point A to point B? Wait, I have to like carry my canoe? Wait, all right, what did I sign up for? And so you go through this, this Boundary Waters trip, and when you're crossing a lake, the thing to keep in mind is to have a, 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 a object that you keep your eye on when you cross the lake. And you keep your eye on an object, and in and, and, and water, it's more difficult to, uh, to make sure you're going the right direction. You go off to the left, to the right, it's, uh, it, it sets you off your path. But if you keep your eye on something, like something very Minnesotan, like a, a rock or a tree or a, a flock of mosquitoes, you know, you keep your eye on, on something, and as you go that direction, you find, what's my next step? And then you reorient yourself and you find, what's the step after that? What's the place I'm going to after that? What's after that? And so often when we want guidance from God, we want God to give us the whole map, the directions, everything to get to where we're going. But God doesn't always operate that way. In fact, he often doesn't operate that way. He helps us find a direction to be pointed, and then our job is to run after it. Our job is to chase it. And that's a scary thing. I'm a person that likes to have things laid out, to have things organized, but but God is not very concerned about what I'm interested in. God is, is concerned about organizing my steps and leading me where I need to go. And often he doesn't give us clarity. He gives us faith to get there. And I'll tell you that I learned this this week that, that a group of rhinos is called a crash. It's called a crash of rhinos. And, and this is probably why, I don't know why, but I would guess why is that rhinos can run up to 30 miles an hour. They can sustain that pace, 30 miles an hour, but they can only see 30 feet in front of them. 30 feet in front of them. I, I mean, rhinos have hard heads, I think. They have to, or they just, they, they wouldn't make it. And so, but they can see 30 feet in front of them. But, but what do they do? They run. And I love that God gave an animal an ability to run that fast, but not have all of the clarity that's comfortable. To not have the vision of the future that's comfortable. But we are the same way that he, we can make plans, but he orders our steps. And so we ask, God, where are you leading me? And I don't have to know the end, but I need to know the direction. Can you point me in the right way? And I'm telling you that, that if we ask that question, the wisdom of God, are you pointing me in the right direction? We will honor him with all we do. And so to not get caught up on the details of, am I doing everything right? Am I, is this what I'm supposed to do with my family or with my job? Or is this, is this the exact right thing to do? We realize, are you honoring God? Are you, are, you, are you seeking his wisdom? Then it's okay that you don't have all of the answers. It's okay. And so he gives us the guidance, to, uh, uh, this guidance that comes from wisdom. And the, and the final thing to see is a, as a benefit of wisdom is he gives us influence. He gives us influence. He doesn't just give us guidance, but he gives us influence. And I love that the influence is really right relationship with others. So we start looking, we start this, the first benefit is having a right relationship with God, which is so key as our savior, as our healer, as the one who sets us on our path. But we also have right relationship with others when we use wisdom. And, and this influence that comes, it's different than the influence of the world can look sometimes. Because our influence is not just how many people look to me, how many people like me. Our influence is based on how many people have I served, how many people have I built up, how many people have I been able to help. That's where the power of our influence comes from, and we get that example from Jesus himself who said the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and he defied conventional wisdom by allowing himself to go onto a cross to die like a criminal so that we'd have life. How is it that we have life through his death? Because the economy of God, the economy of the kingdom takes the wisdom of this world and puts it on its head. And our wisdom... Our wisdom that, comes, that, that brings influence is about a wisdom of servanthood that serves others, that puts other people first. And that is why we're a church that believes in serving. That's why we're a church that believes in being a part of a life group, about plugging in. And I, I can tell you, I've been at this church nine months and I've never been a part of a church where I hear about more people feeling called to ministry, about going to the mission field, about finding a change in their life because they see that God has called me to serve not just the, the pastors or, or, or other leaders, but he's called me to be a servant. And I can tell you that our entire life changes and the influence you can have completely is altered when you realize the wisdom of servanthood, of, allowing to, uh, of, of serving other people. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says Jesus, it talks about Jesus becoming the wisdom of God. Jesus becoming the wisdom of God, the influence we have, the, the wisdom we have, we seek it and we find it In Jesus, in Jesus. It's not about having Proverbs memorized, although we should be reading it. It's not about having all of the answers, although we should seek God for them. It's about recognizing that Jesus gives us wisdom. And so if I'm pursuing Jesus, I will find the wisdom that I so need and this wisdom comes from, uh, from putting others first. And I'll give you this, this example of my, my daughter as, as we start to, to wrap things up. And, and my daughter's a four-year-old uh, professional negotiator. That's if she had business cards made, this is what would be on them. She can, uh, she can get almost anything, especially if, if there's a babysitter who's watching her. It's just like, just you know, be ready because by the end of that you'll be like cooking steak, asking how she likes it cooked and, you know, serving it to her as she watches what she wants to watch. And you just realize my, my daughter has this way of negotiating and getting what she wants. And and uh, uh, last year when she, was, when she was three years old, my, she wanted to this candy. And this is just an example of of her negotiating ability and her influence. But she wanted this candy. My, my wife said, it's right before dinner. We're not going to eat candy right now. That's, just, that's not what we're going to do. And so, uh, and she, instead of complaining about it, she takes, she takes this, this box of candy and she walks over to, to my wife's sister. We were visiting uh, out-of-town family. And, and she says, hey, can I sit by you? Can I sit by you? And so she sits down next to, next to my sister and, and then she says, would you like some candy? Would you like some candy? And so she lets her have some candy and she's just sitting there behaved. And then, can I have some? Can I have one? And you just realize, next thing you know, Renee walks into the room, and Emma's munching on this candy and has permission to do so. And, and her sister's like, I don't know, she just got me. I don't know how this works. And, and, and you realize that, that that's an example of influence used the incorrect way. But my, my daughter uses influence to be able to get things that she wants. But when we have the wisdom of God, we find that we have influence to get things for others, to help things be accomplished for others, to introduce others to God. And it's such, a, it's such an amazing benefit to see. And, and, and if we practice the wisdom of God, if we trust God for his wisdom, we'll find a great, a great influence that builds up others. And so we ask, how do we, how do we apply this? As we, as we uh, start to close this today and think about how it relates to us, how, how, how is our life different because of the wisdom of God, because of the benefits of wisdom? And, and I'll tell you, there's two things that we leverage, two things that we leverage to, to apply wisdom to our life. And the first one is experience. The second one is relationships. We leverage experience and we leverage relationships. And Andy Stanley wrote a book called The Greatest Question Ever. The Greatest Question Ever. And, and the, the idea in this book is that all of us have experiences and all of us have wisdom greater than we think we have. We, we, we often know the right thing to do. We just don't stop to make sure it's the right thing or to, or to, or to have the, the faith or the boldness to go in the right direction. So he says, you have these experiences in your life. What is the wise thing to do because of them? And so he asked this question, in light of my past experience what is the wise thing to do in light of my present experience what is the wise thing to do in light of my future experience what is the wise thing to do so he asked these three questions knowing because of who I am and the experience that I've had if I leverage those what is the wise thing to do and so often we find that we know the right thing we know the right thing It's like I saw in another example, I saw a sign from the famous Jimmy John's at Jimmy John's this week as I was eating there. There was a sign that said, experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. Experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. And we think often we want this, but we found we got this. But instead of just being sad about it, we say, God, what have you taught me from it? What experience can I learn from this? And I love that positive approach to say, God, you are building me up with wisdom, even if it takes me down a path I wasn't expecting. And so we ask, what would a good parent do? What would a good manager do? What would a good employee do? What would a good leader do? When we ask ourselves these questions, so often our experience leads us to the right answer when we put it in God's hands and we trust God. So we leverage our experience and then we leverage our relationship. We leverage our relationship realizing that it's important for us to pray as if everything depends on God and we act as if everything depends on us that's what God's desiring us to do. Our relationship with him means somewhere we meet in the middle and we allow we trust that God has it figured out, but we pray as if everything relies on him and we act as if everything relies on us. And I think that's a great way to sum up what does chasing after God look like? What does it look like recognizing his sovereignty, that he's in control, but also that he gave us hands and feet and brains to follow after him, to chase after him. So we leverage that relationship that we have in him. And we see that constantly we ask ourselves, I wonder what God would think about this. I wonder what Jesus would have to say about this. And when we ask ourselves that, when we wonder that, wisdom comes from that wonder, from that wondering, what would Jesus say about this? How would Jesus handle this? And there's so much wisdom that comes from the giver of wisdom from Jesus himself. Would you bow your heads across this room? Lord Jesus, as we gather here, as we Shine the light on our own life. Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom that we need. Lord, I know that there are many that are here that would say, God, I have this decision in front of me. I have this scenario I'm in and I don't know the right way out. I don't know the next step to take. I pray that you would speak to all of us in this room. I pray that you'd speak to us about where we are going, about what we need to do next and that we would have a godly wisdom that we could pursue you and that you would meet us right where we are. I pray for every person that is here. I ask that we would not be overwhelmed by our circumstances, but that you would raise the standard of our life because of your wisdom, that our relationship with you would be right, our relationship with others would be right, we would find protection, we would find influence and all of it for your glory. I pray that we would have wisdom, not that stays with us, but that goes out to help others. I pray that you would not give us a gift that just ends with us, but that you'd give us a gift that builds up others. We thank you, Jesus, for this chance. And for those who are at a a crossroads right now and they have a a critical decision to make, or even if they don't think it's critical, I pray that you'd show them the, the, the seriousness of it, the nature of it. And in this moment, I pray that you would give them the wisdom in their next step. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.